Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. All right, let's go to John chapter 8. I got to preach John chapter 8, verses 21 through 30. We're going to close out our sermon series that we have been in called It's Not Complicated. I hope you have enjoyed this series. I have enjoyed teaching from it. And today, I'm actually going to take you a little deeper into my sermon style and type today because I really want to unpack some weighty truths about our faith. There's some heavy stuff that I want to talk to you about today. As a matter of fact, for those of you that are like, what's that Lighthouse Leadership College all about? Today you're going to get some teaching that I normally would do on a Tuesday, but I think you all are ready for it. You know, one of the things that I have always desired is that we would have a biblically astute church, that we would have people in our church that know their Bibles. We're not not just fans of Jesus, but we are followers of Jesus. We, we know our word. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't be at our Lighthouse Leadership College, so I had a guest teacher come, and he brought someone with him. And that person kind of said some things, and our college students were like, hmm, you know? They were like, hmm, you know? It was, and I loved it because the students were like, you know, Pastor, just some of the stuff you said we didn't agree with. And that's okay. It was an open-handed topic, and that's okay. We're not going to agree on everything on open-handed topics, but I love that. It, it, it brought a, like, a little twinkle to my eye. You know what I mean? Like, these students are really diving into their word, and, and, and they're going to accept the truth from God's word. And so today, we got a, we got a message that I think is going to challenge you. It's going to stretch you. I think you're going to learn a lot. It's a good day to take notes. It's actually a good day to take notes every Sunday, but today's an especially good day. All right, let's dive in. John chapter 8, verses 20. 21 through 30. Nine verses, okay? So we're going to catch up on your Bible reading right now. Y'all ready? Here we go. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Now, now let me just pause for the cause right now, because you might be thinking, Jesus is a little sharp. He is, because right now he's talking to religious leaders who oppose him. So his tone, he's not talking to people who are in need. He's actually talking to people who are fighting with him. So his tone's a little sharp if you're wondering. Why is he saying you're going to die in your sin? So this made the Jews ask, will Jesus kill himself? Is that why he says where I go you cannot come? But Jesus continued, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if, here's the if, conditional statement, if You do not believe that I am he. And I've underlined that because that I am he is especially important to our sermon today. You will indeed die in your sins. Well, who are you? They asked. Jesus said, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. Now they did not understand what he was telling them about the father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man. Now, now what he is talking about right there is actually Calvary, the crucifixion, Jesus being crucified on a cross. So when he says 
when you have lifted up the Son of Man, he's actually speaking about what we're going to be celebrating next Sunday, okay? When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. There it is one more time. You're going to know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And here's how it ends. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought. He is him. He is him. If you're wondering, what does that mean? And why would he say that? Well, I've got a son that plays football. And so I get to pick up on all of the athlete lingo. And whenever someone says he is him, that's a compliment. That means he's the man. If you're a 90s kid, you know what the man is, right? Come on. They had a song that said Return of the Man. You know what I'm talking about? All right. I just gave away my age right there. So back in my generation, we would say he's the man. But nowadays, all the cool kids say he is him. So that's what we're going to talk about today. He is him. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, and your presence that is here. God, I pray that as I preach this message that you would speak to everybody individually. As I speak to the audience, would you speak to the person? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody, and you may be seated. Let's talk about he is him. How many of y'all know what a plot twist is? Do you guys know what a plot twist is when we talk about a story or a movie? A, a plot twist is something that I particularly love. A plot twist simply means it's an unexpected twist and the development of a story. And that's my favorite kind of story. I love stories. I love movies with a good plot twist. It is everything that a Hallmark movie isn't. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the Hallmark movies? How many of you know they got the same storyline? Every single one of them. It usually involves a lady who is probably engaged to a high-powered executive, but she's getting cold feet, so she visits her aunt who happens to live in the country. Y'all know where I'm going with this, right? She meets a dude wearing boots and flannels. Shout out to all the cowboys. And all of a sudden, she's head over heels for this cowboy man, and she ditches her high-powered executive fiancé for a life in the country. There's every Hallmark movie given to you right there, all right? And yet we sit down and watch them all, don't we? I mean, like, we just sit down and soak it up. Well, that's not my kind of movie. I'm more of a Denzel Washington kind of guy. How many of you like Denzel Washington? Love me some Denzel. And, and I love his movies. He made this movie back in the day called Man on Fire. And that was one of those movies where you didn't know what was going to happen till the very end. And when it did, you're like, I did not see that coming. Why? Because it had a plot twist. Now, as a reader of the Bible and as a student of the Bible, there's actually a lot of plot twists in the Bible. And I love getting into the Bible. And I am a Bible nerd. Admittedly, my son laughs when I say that I'm a Bible nerd. But I love to unpack the stories of the Bible. And I love when I see a plot twist or when I see layers. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say layers? I love layered stories. I even love layered comedy. You ever see a comedian where he's just got layers to his jokes? When the same way, I love a layered story. I love a plot twist. And that's all happening in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, we have layers and we have plot twists. And I want to unpack it all. I just read to you a whole passage of scripture in John 8, 21. But let me take you to the beginning of John chapter 8. If I had enough time, I would have read the whole chapter from beginning to end and would have had you here for six hours as we pontificated on every single point. But I'm not going to do that to you, so I'm going to hit fast forward but give you the highlights. So the beginning of John chapter 8, it starts off highly, highly unusual. As a matter of fact, it, it, it's, it's, it's just um, 
It's sad the way that it starts out. The way that it starts out is there were religious people that were so opposed to Jesus that they tried to trap him in his words. They went out of their way to catch him saying something to give them a reason to bring an accusation against him because they didn't want the message that Jesus was preaching. So the religious leaders of their time, they did something that is just horrible. They set up a woman to commit an act of an adultery so that they could then catch her in the act of adultery, bring her to the feet of Jesus, and see what he had to say. Isn't that terrible, the way that the religious leaders of their time worked? They set this woman up, put her into a moment of adultery, and there they go, parading this woman through the middle of the streets, probably not even fully clothed, and they throw her at the feet of Jesus. And they said to him, and I'm going to paraphrase some of this, and they said, Moses' law says we should stone her kill her by stoning her what do you say we should do and in that moment jesus i mean jesus does what he always does right he 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 sucks them in and he gets to this final punchline where he says let the person who has no sins be the first one to throw a stone and one by one they drop their stones because they knew if any person were to speak up and say i am without sin now that person was a blasphemer. Now that person was lying. And then the religious folks would have an accusation against that person because they believed that they were all sinners. They were all in need of the law at that point in time. So when Jesus said that, it was like a mic drop moment. Now many people will stop reading their Bibles right there. But what they don't know what happened is that the religious leaders stayed there to argue with Jesus. They, they weren't done. They were still upset with him and they still wanted to debate him. So then they get to this passage of, then, they, then we get to this passage of scripture where they're like, well, who are you? Well, who are you? You know, why, why do you say these things? Who, who, whose authority are you acting on? What gives you the right to say these things? And I love, and I'm gonna pull out these two verses that I've already read once, but I want you to see what he says on two different occasions. The first one, he says, I already told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he, I already told you, you're going to die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, here's the second thing he says, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. So what Jesus is doing now, he's, he's kind of teasing this thing out. Y'all still tracking with me right now? He, he's teasing this thing out because now they're like, wait a second, is is he saying what I think he's saying? Is, is he saying something? I mean, what's he really trying to say? He's kind of saying it, but he's not saying it. You ever met someone that kind of says it but doesn't says it? That's like what Jesus was doing. He's kind of saying it but not saying it. And they think they're God. They think they got him on the hook. They think, okay, we're, we're about ready to trap him in his words. He keeps saying, I am he, I am he. And finally, it gets to this point where now Jesus, and I'm going to, again, I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of time. Jesus said to them, you know, I saw Abraham. And when I saw Abraham, he would have loved to have lived to see this day, to see the Messiah walking around you. And now they're like, uh-oh, what did he just say right there? Because now they said, and it's in your Bible, they asked him, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say that you saw Abraham? You're not even 50. Abraham's been dead for hundreds of years. Why are you saying that you saw Abraham? And now Jesus gives them the punchline. Now Jesus hits them. It's an 858. He says, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. Now we're going somewhere, okay? You might be thinking to yourself, I don't understand what that even means. Why would he say before Abraham was born, 
I am. Jesus was giving them the name of who he is. Jesus was telling them by what authority he had come. Jesus is letting them know what to call him, what his name is, who, what his identity is. And what he was telling them was, I am the I am. You might be thinking, I am is not a name for a person. You're right. It's not a name for a person, but it's the name of God. I said, it's the name of God. Let me go back to Exodus. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. So I got to unpack this now. Now that I got you, let's dive in. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. We catch up with a man by the name of Moses. Everybody say Moses. Now Moses, for the first 40 years of his life, lived like a grandson to Pharaoh in Egypt. This is when Egypt was at its peak of power, authority, and really global presence. And, and so Pharaoh had an adopted grandson by the name of Moses. And then when he got to 40 years old, he learned, you know what? I'm actually not Egyptian. I'm Jewish. He's kind of having an identity crisis. So off he goes to the wilderness for 40 years. And then God revealed himself to Moses and says, Moses, I'm going to, I need you to go back to Egypt to be my deliverer. I'm going to send you to Egypt to get my, my people, my Israelites who, who had been, who had so greatly increased in number in Egypt, but they were slaves in Egypt. They didn't enter Egypt as slaves, but they had become slaves. And God tells Moses, I want you to go into Egypt. I want you to bring all of my people out of slavery. And when he does that, Moses asks the question, but who do, if I say I were to go, who do I say sent me? So let's pick it up there. Chapter, uh, chapter 3 of Exodus, verses 13 through 14. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, catch this now, it's the same thing Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. You guys tracking with me yet? So, so God reveals himself to Moses in a curious way because Moses is like, give me a name. He said, I am. That's my name. You might be thinking, that's, there's, that's a title. That's not a name. It is a name. Let me explain it to you. I am made up of two words. The first one being I. It's also a letter. I speaks of relationship. Everybody say relationship. God has always wanted to have a relationship with us. This is what separates our God from other little G gods in this world. Other little G gods in this world don't want to have a relationship, but, Jesus, but God has always desired to have a relationship with his people. This is the reason why God spoke to Adam and Eve. This is the reason why God spoke to Moses. This is the reason why God spoke to Abraham. And then he spoke to Isaac. And then he spoke to Jacob because he is a personal God. Everybody say personal. He wants to have a personal relationship with you, Lighthouse Church. I don't know if you know this, but he doesn't want to be something that is abstract. He doesn't want to be a painting on your wall or a candle on your mantle. He wants to be your personal savior. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. And he says, I as a place of relationship. You might be thinking, is that really a relationship? Absolutely. How many parents do we got in the tent? Clap your hands if you're a parent in the tent today. All right. All right, here we go. Let's talk about our kids right now because that's what we get to do as adults. All right. Talk about our kids. Sometimes I'll ask my kids to do something. Why do I have to do that, Dad? And how many ever said, because I said so? Come on, how many parents have done that, right? Of course we do that. Why? Because when I say I said so, I implying that I means in this relationship, I am your father. So I, your father, am asking you to do this, and you, should, and, and you need to do that, or you may not live to see tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that's my house. Okay, never mind. 
But, but what I'm asking is I'm leveraging my relationships because I am asking you. Who is I? I, your father, and I am asking you to do that. Typically, my kids will do it. Okay, so so whenever you use that phrase, I, we're now leveraging relationship. Imagine if you're when think about uh, an example, like if you go to the store and you're looking for something, you can't find it. And you ask a sales associate and you say, hey, I am looking for this. I am looking for this. And they help you. Why? Because the I is letting them know that I am a customer and you are an employee. So in this hierarchy of relationship. Your job description is to help I, me, the customer. So when you see this word I, oftentimes it implies relationship, and that's exactly what this implies in this title of God, in this name of God. When he says I am, the first thing he's saying is I, meaning there's a relationship here. Now let's talk about the am. Everybody say am. Am Am is eternally present. Am is eternally present. He did not say I was which is past tense, and he did not say, I will be, which is future tense. He said, I am, which is always in the present. Everybody say present. God is always present. So the I am means he wants to relationally be always present with you, which means he, don't just, he doesn't want to be with you just on a Sunday. He wants to be with you on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday. He wants to be with you everywhere you go. He doesn't want to be compartmentalized to something that's on your agenda, the one hour and five minutes that you spend here on a Sunday. He wants to be your I am. He wants to be your always present God. This is why we pray to him. Part of, part of, 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 of us coming to God in prayer is because we know that he is always present, which means he's already in the future because he's always present. We call it future, but it's present to him. It's not the future to him. It's the present to him because we are bound by linear time. God's not bound by linear time. God always exists. It's always am. It's always now with God. It is always present with God. So anytime you get a prophetic word, which means someone speaks to you about your future and it's God using someone or maybe it's God himself talking to you, pay attention because what you are calling future, God is calling present. God might say, I'm raising you up to do this. And you're like, can you really do that? And God's like, I'm already here in the future looking, and you're already there. I know you can do this because I see you doing this. I see you walking in that authority. I see you walking in that calling. I see you walking in this position. I see you victorious. So sometimes now when you're fighting with your kids or you're fighting with your spouse or you're just fighting with everybody and and you're like, there's no way that God could use me to do this. God already sees who you're going to become, and he speaks it into the now. He says, this is who you are. And so another way to say this, if we were to take I am and try to give you some context so you can understand what God was trying to say to, 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 um, to Moses at that time, he says, I will be what I will be. I will be what I will be. Meaning whatever you need me to be when, we need, when you need me to be it, I will be that. You know what's so incredible for that about that is when you need him to be a provider, guess what? He can be a provider. When you need him to be a deliverer, guess what? He can break every stronghold and he can be your deliverer. When you need him to be a healer, he can be a healer. When you need him to restore your marriage, he can restore your marriage. He can be whatever he wants to be and also whatever you need him to be. That's who he is. And as he's trying to explain who he is to, peop- to, to Moses, that's the best way he can, under- he can explain it. He said, I am that I am. I will be what I will be. And what I will be will be everything that you need me to be. Now, Jesus, okay, everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Says to them in that moment, I am. Now, you might be wondering what's so significant about that. In that moment, you've got to understand They were waiting for someone to be sent by.
by God. Everybody say sent by. Sent by. They were waiting for someone to be sent by God to be their Messiah. Everybody say Messiah. Messiah. At that point in time, Israel, Jews, they were under Roman uh, dictatorship, leadership. Uh, uh, Rome was, was the power of the world at that time. And so they were underneath Rome. And, they, and so they were not really a, a free uh, people. They were not really a free state, if you will. They were underneath Rome. They had to pay taxes to Rome. And they longed for the day that they would be independent and free and self-governed and not underneath anyone. And so what they, what they thought was God was going to send a Messiah and he would liberate them from the grips of Rome. What they didn't know is when they prayed for a Messiah, God wasn't going to send them a deliverer to, li- to deliver them from Rome. He was going to send them a savior who was going to save them from their sins and save them from death and save them from Satan and save them from the enemy. They wanted, they, they wanted a very very natural victory that they wanted to to reign in the present but God said you're going to reign in the spiritual and I'm going to save you for all eternity because you think the enemy is Rome but really your enemy is sin you 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 think your enemy is the emperor but what you don't know is your enemy is Satan and he manipulates people and he uses people to accomplish his plans here on earth but Jesus was on a much greater assignment everybody say assignment I need you to see this right now because so many people treat God the same way. You see, when Jesus was walking around, he was first a rabbi. Everybody say rabbi, Rabbi. which means he was a teacher of the law. The only thing was he wasn't just teaching the law like the blind were being made to see, the deaf were being made to hear, the sick were being healed. Even the dead people were getting raised out of a grave. And so he was a rabbi, but he had authority that other rabbis did not have. So now they're beginning to wonder who is his person exactly? And this is why Jesus had to reveal himself as God. He said, I am the great I am, and I have come into this world to show you what God looks like as a person. This is my way of relating to you person to person. God is eternal. God is omnipotent. God has no ending, and yet he comes into humanity. He comes into flesh to show them this is what God looks like in your terms. Now, now, I need you to get this because you might be thinking, okay, what's the big deal, Pastor Josh? A lot of people have an idea about God, but they don't know anything about Jesus, right? How many people at an award show are going to say, I just want to thank God? You don't know the first thing about God. <laughs> All glory and honor to God. You don't know the first thing about God because you can't accept God and reject Jesus. Jesus said the way to God is through me. And, and so many times we do this in church. You talk to people, they're like, I'm religious. I just don't go to church. I'm a spiritual person. I just don't go to church. You see, you can't tell me you understand who Jesus is and not go to church because the church is the body of Christ. So how can you accept Jesus, who is the head of the body, but reject the church? That's like saying, I will take Pastor Josh, but Joanna can't come. You you would never do that. You can't take the husband and not take the wife. And the Bible says the church is the bride of Christ. So, So when you really understand who Jesus is, it changes everything. A lot of people want to have a relationship with God, but they don't want to have a relationship with Jesus. And what he was saying is that I am him. (laughs) I am he. Now, now, John, get ready to take a lot of notes because I'm going to fly through some of these and I don't have time to to break all of them down. But now, John, this is not an isolated incident. We we teach at the Bible college that you don't form a theology around a single event, meaning you can't take one verse, literally just one verse in the Bible and wrap a whole theology around that. 
You can't do that. What you have to do is look through the consistency of scriptures all throughout the Bible, and then you can put a theology around it. If it happens one time, you're like, that's pretty cool. That's a cool description of what happened one time. But, but, but when you have several, several uh, um, instances or occurrences of something happening, now you've got a theology. Now you've got something that you can form. So John's gospel, I want you to get this. I was a big setup to get here. John's gospel records that Jesus didn't just say, I am once. He actually said, I am seven times. Everybody say seven. And as he said, I am, there are seven I am statements. He said, this is who I am. And then he gives us a descriptor based on the evidence of things that they've seen through him. So in other words, he reveals another facet of who he is. And he says, I'm that. And then he reveals another facet of who he is. And he says, I'm that. And then he reveals another facet of who he is. And he says, I'm that. You might be wondering, Pastor Josh, why does that matter? It matters because every single one of you in here has come in here with a need. And your need is different than your neighbor's need. And your neighbor's need is different than the person behind you's need. And if he's only one person, he can only meet one need. But if he has all these different things, then he can meet everybody's needs. So can we break down the seven I am statements? Here's the first thing he says. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He declared it in John 6, 35. He said, I'm the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What that lets me know is that if you have a big need in your life, get to Jesus because he will make sure that you have everything that you need. I thought I'd get a louder amen than that. I said, you got to get to Jesus because he's going to make sure you have everything that you need. I know sometimes you, you get a little jelly looking at your neighbor's car. You get a little jelly looking at your neighbor's house. But what we know about God is he's going to give you everything you need. What we know about Jesus, if you come to him, he's going to make sure you never go hungry, that you never go thirsty. Jesus will be your bread of life. But he also went on to say that I am the light of the world. John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What that tells me is not only will Jesus feed you, but Jesus will also illuminate you. When you have Jesus in your life, everything that seemed dark and muddy and confusing and you couldn't understand which way to go, Jesus comes in and he makes everything so much clear. He turns the light on once again. He orders your steps. He directs your path. That's what Jesus does. That's why you can't separate Jesus from God. They are the same person. But if you want to do it your way and you want to be religious about God, you're going to be missing out on the light of the world. Everybody say light of the world. Jesus also said this. He said, I am the gate. I am the gate. And whoever enters through me will be saved. They can come in and go out and they will find pasture. Jesus made it abundantly clear. You can't be saved without going through me. This is why we are baptized in Jesus' name. That's why we ask you to make a decision to receive Jesus into your life. This is why we pray to Jesus. This is why we do everything that we do in Jesus' name. Why? Because he's the gate. I know that I go to Jesus and he's going to make everything okay in my life again. You see, there's, there's other religions in this world where they have different gods. They, they have specialist gods where you go to this god for this or this god for this and this god for this and this god for this. But how many know that the Christian religion just teaches this? You go to Jesus and you've got everything. You go to Jesus and you can be healed. You go to Jesus and you can have provision. You go to Jesus and you can be delivered. We go to Jesus for everything. Everybody say everything. He said, I am the gate. He goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You see, the reason Jesus said this is because there were bad shepherds at that time. Kind of like how there's good churches, and unfortunately, there are some churches that have gone astray as well. And Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Do you want to know what a good shepherd does? A good shepherd protects their sheep. 
A good shepherd watches over their sheep. You know what an extra good shepherd does? When a sheep gets away, the good shepherd goes and finds that sheep. Come on. I, I'm going to ask this question right now. Where are some, if you make some noise if you're a lost sheep that's been found. Come on, where are my lost sheep that have been found? Come on, make some noise, somebody. I love that. You see, if, if you're like me, I grew up in church. I never got too far. I, I just a lot of things I just didn't experience. It doesn't make my story better than yours. It just makes it different than yours. But I thank God that we serve a God that when someone is lost, he doesn't give up on them, but he finds them. He doesn't write them off. He doesn't judge them. But he goes out of his way to find them and to bring them back home and to plant them in his church. That's the God that we serve. And then he also says this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is John 11 verse 25 he says I am the resurrection the life and the one who believes in me will live even though they die this is an interesting part of scripture because the Bible says that Jesus's bestie Lazarus had just died did y'all know that Jesus had a bestie are you sad that it wasn't you so Jesus's bestie Lazarus had died and and they reached out to him when Lazarus was sick and hadn't died yet they said Jesus Lazarus your friend that you love so much He's sick, and if you don't get to where he's at, he's going to die. And so when Jesus shows up four days later, that's how you know that Jesus was a Hispanic. He showed up four days later. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He was Jewish, all right. I'm Hispanic. It's a joke, okay. Jesus shows up four days later, and when Jesus shows up, Martha's like, had you been here, you could have prayed for him. And he's like, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. We're going to be all right. So she had faith for the past. And then Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And she goes, no, 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 no. I know when uh, on that day we're going to rise again. So she had faith for the future. But God abides in the eternally present. She didn't have faith for the present. So Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. That's why we've got to have faith in the present. Not in if it only would have went this way. Or one of these days, sometimes you just got to declare and believe that my situation right now may not be what I want it to be. But God is with me. And as long as God is with me, I can make it through every situation. I can get through this struggle. I can get through this trial. Why? Because he's with me. So Jesus comes in and he actually resurrected Lazarus from the grave. And this actually was the moment that made everything go off. I don't know if you know this or not. This was the moment that made everything go off because the, the religious leaders at that time, they were sick of Jesus. But when Jesus resurrected Lazarus, like this was when they said, now we've got to kill Jesus and we've got to kill Lazarus too. We've got to bury the evidence. I'm in my Bible. It's in there, okay? Because when Jesus resurrected Lazarus, that's when they're like, we can no longer deny that he's someone. Like, like, like there is indisputable evidence. We buried the guy. We had a funeral. We cried. And now he's walking around, just walking around. There's Lazarus walking around. And the Jewish leaders wanted to kill Lazarus so that no one would believe in Jesus. That's how far they were going to stop Jesus. Now, he's not done. He goes on to say this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's John 14, verse 6. And again, I don't have time to unpack everything, but he's telling them that the only way you're going to get saved is through me. The only way you're going to experience everlasting life is through me. And the only way that you're going to know truth, everybody say truth. I'm not talking about subjective truth. I'm talking about absolute truth. The only way you can experience absolute truth is through Jesus. And here's the last thing he says, and I'm coming to a close now. It says this. He says, I am the true vine. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. What Jesus was saying in that statement was, when you abide in me, your life is going to produce fruit. Everybody say fruit. fruit. When we abide in Christ, he wants to produce fruit in our lives. You want to know the great thing about fruit? It's eating it. <laughs> Y'all are hungry here like, Pastor, it's 12 o'clock. Don't mess with me talking about fruit. 
Catch me at the Michoacana afterwards talking about all that fruit. I'm out of here. But, but, but Jesus makes the point. He said, if you abide in me, you're going to produce much fruit. That's the point of it all. We're supposed to produce fruit. But fruit isn't for us to enjoy. How many of that fruit is for others to enjoy? Do, do you want to know what rotten fruit is? Rotten fruit is fruit eating itself. And we got a lot of Christians that are rotten, meaning they don't have any fruit for others to see or for others to consume. That's, that's, that's tough. I love you. My name is Josh, and I'm your friend. <laughs> but don't turn into a rotten Christian, okay? Produce fruit for others. Everybody say others. others. This is why you got to invite everybody to Easter Sunday at Lighthouse. Come on, clap your hands if you're inviting someone to Easter Sunday next week. This is too good for you to have all by yourself and not invite someone. You got to tell someone about Jesus. Let me get to the punchline here. So Jesus says, I'm the true vine. And so all these statements are in John chapter 8. But, but let me talk about the layers, and I'm closing with this thought here. When they go to arrest Jesus, when you fast forward, and I talked to you earlier when we took communion, that Jesus on the Thursday night, they celebrated Passover together, and then he went to the garden to pray because that's what Jesus did. Jesus spent a lot of time with his father, and if we're Jesus' followers, we should spend a lot of time with our father as well. Can I get a good amen on that? So Jesus goes to the garden to pray, and that's when they knew that would be the best time to, to arrest Jesus when he's praying. I mean, that's just how distorted they were. They couldn't even let some man pray. They're going to arrest him while he's praying. The Bible records, I'm going to paraphrase it. The Bible records, and it's in John 18, 4 through 6, but I'll just paraphrase it. The Bible records that the temple guards show up, and Jesus knows that they're there. And he asks them in so many words, what do you guys want? What are you all here to do? And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says two things back to them. He said, I am. Then John writes that when Jesus said, I am, the people that came to arrest him fell backwards at the revelation of who he is. There was so much power and authority in that I am statement that it caused them to fall backwards. And what that lets me know is that they got a revelation of who he is. They didn't get a full revelation, but they got some revelation. Can I tell you that there are things in our life that when they get a revelation of the great I am, they too are going to fall back. Come on, how many know that cancer has to fall back to the revelation of the great I am? Because he can be our healer, and he can heal us from that condition. How many know that addictions have to fall at the revelation of who Jesus is? Come on, how many know that kids are going to come back home at the revelation of who he is? Come on, how many know he can heal your marriage at the revelation of who he is? When he says, I am, it has the power to make everything fall. Chains will break. Strongholds will be broken. Addictions are going to be broken. And we will be restored. Why? Because the great I am has revealed himself in our life once again. And my prayer today is that you all get a revelation of the great I am today. My prayer today is that you don't walk out of here religious as that song was talking about. We're going to throw down our religion because we're not here for religion. We're here for relationship. We want to have a relationship with him. We want to have a relationship with the great I am. If you get all the way to the book of Revelation, I don't even have time for it. John writes in the book of Revelation where he is now in a vision in heaven. And there's Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I'm the alpha and I'm the omega. And if you believe in me, you will never die, but you will experience eternal life. He was constantly reminding people, this is who I am. This is who I am. But like many people, we don't understand who he is or why he's come. 
But can I talk about the plot twist in John chapter 8? In John chapter 8, I talked to you about how they brought this woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Brought her to the feet of Jesus. Stones in their hands, ready to kill her by throwing stones at her. Talk about a horrific way to die. They, they, they were ready to kill her by stoning. And as I said, Jesus, he confounds them. The Bible says they drop their stones. Jesus looks at the woman and says, go and don't sin anymore. And off she goes. But the religious leaders, they stayed there debating with him. I just took you through everything that happened. He says, I am he, I am he. And then when he gets to this point, when he gets to this part, the punchline, when he says, before Abraham was, I am, the Bible says, one by one, they picked up the stones that they dropped. And they got ready now to throw the stones at Jesus. They would have killed him, except God intervened. And, and I don't know how. It's going to be one of my questions when I get to heaven. I'm going to ask. I'm like, the Bible says that God caused Jesus to get away. How? They, they had rocks in hand. They were ready to kill him. They, they, they were ready to stone him. Now, here's the analogy, okay? That woman is you and I. The wages of sin is death, writes Paul. The punishment for our sin should be death. But Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, he cancels religion. When Jesus shows up, he reveals himself as the greater I am. When Jesus shows up, he confounds everyone around us. But now the judgment is on him. The same rocks that they meant to throw at the woman, they've now picked up to throw at Jesus, which is all a foreshadow to Calvary and the cross. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus took my sin to the cross. 2,000 years ago, Jesus took my shame to the cross. 2,000 years ago, Jesus took my condemnation to the cross. And now the good news is I get to live free. The good news is that I am not condemned. The good news is, is that I have life. Everybody shout life. I'll shout it back. Shout life. So start living Lighthouse Church. Start living like you've been saved. Start living like you have a Savior. Start living like He loves you. Start living like you have power. Start living like you have authority. Start living as a child of God. Start living as a new creation. Start living as a new creature. I don't want to see a church that comes on Sundays, has a good time, and leaves the exact same way. But we got to start living like children of God children with authority, children with power, children with a new nature, children with an identity that doesn't come from our works, but our identity comes not from what we've done, but what from what he's done. He's been good. He's been faithful. He is loving. He is caring. He is kind. Now let's walk in that nature. Let's walk in that nature now, Lighthouse Church. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for who you are. I thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us, God. And God, we know that the reason you revealed yourself to us wasn't for information. But God, you revealed yourself to us for transformation. And so we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for your grace, God. Come on, just take a moment. Lift those hands. We're not going to rush this moment. Come on, talk to your father right now, Lighthouse Church. Come on, everyone. Let's make this a moment right here. We thank you, God, for your goodness. Father, show yourself one more time to somebody here. 
there's someone here where you've just not felt the presence of God in a really long time and you're really hungry, just simply say, come in right now. Come into my heart and take control. As a matter of fact, we don't do this very often, but run on down to this altar if you just need another touch from him. Run on down to this altar if you just want to experience his presence. Once again, come on, run on down. I'm not going to make this long, but this is your moment to respond. If you need healing, run on down here. If you need deliverance, run on down here. Pastors, come help me pray. If you need to experience God in a fresh way again, maybe it's been a long time since you've really prayed to God in your prayer language. Maybe it's been a long time since you've had the, the, the presence of God so come and fill your heart that you left physically, tangibly, emotionally, spiritually changed. Run on down here. I'm not going to take much time, but this is your moment. This is you and God. Don't walk out of here saying, I didn't feel nothing. There's an invitation here. There's a moment here. Run on down here because the Father is here. He wants to meet you. He wants to touch you. He wants to heal you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Karen. I pray that you heal her body right now, God. I pray that you strengthen her lungs right now. Will the I am, the healer, come and meet with her right now? In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's worship together. Every hand raised, let's just go, let's just worship our Father right now.
you guys just stay in this flow every eye closed every head bowed I just want to pray right now for someone that wants to receive Christ you have just heard me preach for 40 minutes on Jesus and you've never made a decision to follow him but today you want to make a decision to follow Jesus you want to surrender your life to Jesus you might be thinking to yourself pastor I love what I'm feeling but I've got a lot of questions well, what you are feeling is the Holy Spirit. The questions that you have are natural. And we're not just asking you to make a decision and walk out of here empty-handed. But, but if you'd like to make a decision to receive Christ into your life, make Him your Lord and Savior, and to begin a brand new journey with Him, I want you to, every eye closed, every head bow. I'm just going to ask you to respond. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to throw that hand up, and I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to give you a next step, okay? So if you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus, throw that hand up. One, two, three. Throw it up real high, saying, I am making a decision to follow him. I am making a decision to commit my life to him. I receive him as my Lord and my Savior. You can put your hands down. Thank you. I saw you, but more importantly, God saw you. Heaven saw you, and he saw that step of faith that you just took right now. So I'm going to pray, and as I pray, you can just repeat these words, or if you want to say your own thing, say your own thing. But now we're going to go ahead and tell him that we're making him Lord of our life. Y'all ready? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I make you my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart today and save me from the grip of sin. I turn my back on what I used to do, and I make a decision to follow you. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I make you my Lord and I make you my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So here's what we got. If you just prayed that prayer right now, whether you rose your hand or didn't, but you made a decision. I actually wrote a book for you and it's going to give you all of your next steps. I wrote it especially with you in mind. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I would love for you to get a copy of that book. Just go to the Start Here canopy, the black canvas. Tell them, hey, I just made a decision to follow Jesus. And that book's going to tell you everything you need to know about what you need to do next. Lighthouse, I love you. I can't wait to see you at Easter Sunday. We're going to go back into worship to close it out. But have a great rest of your week. And we'll see you for Easter. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.